Who are you going to call for all your karate needs? Honor Athletics, of course. 770-945-5150. HonorAthletics.com. And hey, guys, don't forget to use the code WILDCATDOJO as you're checking out for your 10% discount. As always, thanks, Honor Athletics. I second that emotion. I second <laughs> This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sensei Michelle. And I'm Sensei Jackie. And no Landon today. I'll say it. Wah-wah. Have fun, Landon, wherever you are. Okay, so super excitement today because we are with someone we have been trying to get as a guest for two years, Hanshi Steven Melanowski. Thank you so much for doing this. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Actually, you're at my place, so it's a pleasure for you to be here. <laughs> That's right. I drove down to Miami. We are in Miami Beach, beautiful Miami Beach. Yes. And I'm going to give a little bit of background here. Well, first off, I guess I've probably known you off and on for a dozen years. I would say that the first time I met you was at uh, the tournament in Dunbar down in the Fort Myers area. And that would be, what, 93? That can't be true. <laughs> okay, so for a few years. Meanwhile, Hanshi Melanowski has a huge background in martial arts. He runs a style called Go Jiu-Jitsu, and he has a military background in the Marines. Thank you for your service. Yes. Thank you for you. Thank you. So we hope to get two episodes out of this interview, and we're going to start with what brought you to karate in the beginning. But before we get to that, I want to tell people you have a Facebook group. What's it called? I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I just can't remember it. The Satori Study Group. Thank you. No, the Satori Martial Arts Study Group. So you can find him there online if you're looking him up. Incidentally, you can't you can't touch that unless you join it. I have to. I have to. Okay. Well, one of my moderators has to. Okay, right. That somebody belongs to that. So you find it on there, and it's going to give you the opportunity to uh, join. See if you can join. That sounds perfect. Okay, so let's get started, shall we? Let's do that. So we're going to start back in the day. I put my hand out as if we were all three feet tall then. <laughs> and uh, your initial karate training was with your dad. Actually, well, yeah, in, in essence, not karate, though. It was jiu-jitsu. Shobu dobu jiu-jitsu. I started uh, physically, actually, formally training with him when I was five. Whew. Long time ago, sensei. Yeah. What's it like having your dad as your sensei? That's something I've always wondered about. Well, my father was a colorful character. He was a uh, second-generation uh, Polish-Russian-Ukrainian. It was interesting to begin with, even without the martial arts, you know what I mean? Uh, but as a sensei, it was, it, yeah, he was very, very strict. What was it like? Well, you know, I always wanted to do it because it looked cool. I saw him teaching the guys. They, they, were, they were all old adults, you know. And uh, my mom would insist that my father take me with him when he would go places. Ah. You know, he was involved with like, all kinds of crazy stuff, and uh, that was the way my mother would, would try to keep him at bay by, you know, take Stephen with you. So, you know, next thing you know, I'm at the Judo Twins in, uh, in, in Manhattan, hanging out in a class. I'm the only little kid. In the wow. You know, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Judo Twins. I am familiar, but of course not personally. Very, very left copper. They had one of the first dojos, you know, in Manhattan. And uh, that's where Sensei Urban first started teaching, and uh, my dad was uh, fresh back from, from overseas, you know, he, he trained in Hokkaido, mm. and uh, he continued his training in Manhattan with uh, Kiyose Nakae, 
There's a book called Jiu-Jitsu Complete. It's been around for a million years. The line drawings in that book written by Nakae, one of the people in those line drawings is my father. If you see a picture wow. of my father, you'll be like, oh, wait. What's the name of the book? Jiu-Jitsu Complete. Jiu-Jitsu Complete. We're going to keep our eyes open for that. Yes, if you yeah, find yeah. it before me, guys, tell me about it. Okay. So let's keep going on your father, because I know when he took you to some of the places that he went to, it was um, less than safe for a kid. How's that? <laughs> you know, I don't know about being less than safe for a kid, because back in those days with those people, what the heck am I saying? Of course it was less than safe for a kid. <laughs> um, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, you'd be surprised where we would go, you know, and there would be a bunch of other kids hanging out there. There's a place like the Ukrainian Center, you know, where... Uh, yeah, we had our own room. You know, this was the first time I ever saw a Sambo in my life. Wow. In the early 60s. So any good stories? <laughs> Not much to tell. My father was hooked up with the Russian mob, you know. And, uh, okay, you can't anything. say there's not much to tell and then follow it with, my father was hooked up with the <laughs> Russian mob. <laughs> uh, well, there's not much I can tell. Not much I can tell you. <laughs> uh, no, all kidding aside. That was um, good. No, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, it was less than safe for a kid. He was also a Marine. Yeah, he was a Marine later, a, a faction of which was uh, in the uh, Korean War. It's not so very different from the unit that I was in. So your training was with your dad, but at some point when you were around 12, he introduced you to Peter Urban? Eight. Ooh, Ooh young, very young. Yeah, actually, I think I met him when I was six, but to, to train eight, 1968. Um, I met him, I was small, I was even like six or seven. I met him at the YMCA in Hoboken, New Jersey. I, I tell a story about that at his memorial, which was held at that YMCA in Hoboken, New Jersey. Yeah, when I was a little kid, my dad said, hey, you want to meet somebody special? And I'm thinking he's talking about winning these guys. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. You know, we're, we're, we're Hobo, Hoboken. It's like, come on, we're going to go to the Clam Broth House. And uh, I met Sensei Irving there for the first time, only for like a minute. And then we met him back at the Y. My father was like, this is a very special person. And that was, you know, interesting because this very small group of martial arts senior people back in those days, they were not necessarily the most politically correct and nice people in the world. Okay. And my father was really opinionated. He thought everybody sucked. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, very few people did he take seriously. You had Serengano, Peter Serengano Sr., God rest his soul, uh, Di Pasquale. I'll, I'll mention Visitacion, Master V, okay? He was a, he was, Master V was a classmate of my dad's and Kiyose Nakai's dojo. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a junior to my dad, as a matter of fact. Not for nothing. Anyway, uh, those were his peers. Moses Powell, he was growing up in it at the time. Moses Powell was still a young senior expert man, you know, way ahead of me, that's for sure. Oh my God, don't even think about it. However, uh, I bet that was a sight. At the age of eight? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we walked into the Y, and uh, Sensei Urban walked over to me, and he starts waving his hands in my face, you know. I was used to having people's hands in my face from again growing up on the Lower East Side. Yeah, so he was kind of like testing my reflexes. And he looked at my father, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know what was going on. My dad said, you know, I'm going to put him in your class pretty soon when he's old enough. And so Urban was like, yeah, yeah. He had been t- I didn't realize he was testing you. So he gave my father the, the high sign and uh, he said, uh, wait till he's eight. I'm not babysitting. <laughs> and uh, that was it. We left. 
that's how I met Urban, and then I started uh, training with him like two years later. What are your good stories from way, way back then of training? Anything in childhood that stands out? You know, I grew up in the right place at the right time. I grew up on the Lower East Side of New York City in the East Village, and I grew, which is incidentally a five minutes walk to Chinatown, and literally and everywhere in the. I mean, you could get anything you want as long as you know people and have money. And back then, you didn't need a lot of that. You could get anything you wanted in New York. So, being a little kid in the martial arts, we used to go on these excursions to bookstores and magazine stores. We would get on the bus, go to New Jersey, because uh, I, you know, we. My, my parents lived in New Jersey on and off from time to time until later on my, my father got excommunicated from uh, the New York area. <laughs> yeah, I think that's up, the story we need to end yeah, with. Yeah, he, 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 <laughs> wound, he wound up living in, in North Bergen, you know. So I went to, I mean, incidentally, I went to high school. Um, I went to Peter Stuyvesant in Lower Manhattan, but I also went to North Bergen High School, which is where uh, Grandmaster Urban's daughter, Julia, also went. Ah. Um, you know, understanding that Urban, you know, got famous teaching in Chinatown, New York, Urban lived in North Bergen, and then Union City. But he basically, Urban was a North Bergen boy. So let me get this straight. You're eight years old, and they're taking you out on different kinds of excursions with them to all different kinds of places. We would go on excursions. No, no, no. What I was saying is me and my five friends, I had peers that were also. Yeah, we were the Chinatown rats. We, we were the, the white kids oh. that would be hanging out in Chinatown and training in the martial arts. And we, we got to know. I mean, I can tell you stories. When I was a little kid, you could go to the Chinese Freemasons, and Chen Van Ching was teaching there. Chen Van Ching is a Tai Chi master that's like, you know, he's got Bruce Lee's status of old man that looks like a Hasidic Jew. Wow. Um, you must have seen, you've seen pictures of an old man with a flat top haircut and curly cues on uh-huh, his side. Uh-huh, sure. That's Chen Van Ching. That's the, 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 the main deal of Tai Chi. Uh, he was teaching right in the neighborhood. You know? Wow. He'd walk in there and watch that. We would go to bookstores, all the way in New Jersey, bookstores, you know, the Passaic Book Center, just to in search of these books that we heard about. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was a kid, Honda martial arts, I mean, you, I, you've got to know about Honda. Of course. Yeah. Man, when I was a kid, we would go, everybody, oh, everybody went to Honda. Oh, and I got to tell you a story about the one time I went there on a Sunday. Uh-oh. Okay, but so we'd go to Honda every, uh, every Saturday. And run into some other famous martial arts master that was there shopping. It was the place where you got the latest book and the latest weapon. And I'm, I was very young right now, but this lasted up until my adolescence. We weren't out there getting high and stuff like that. We were doing martial arts. We yeah. were karate nerds, like Jesse calls himself now. We were the karate nerds. <laughs> that, that. But, Before we leave bookstores behind, we have to talk about you went there on a Sunday. Picture it. We don't realize <laughs> it's Sunday. We know it's the weekend. We're kids. What do we care? Not thinking anything about it, you know, we found ourselves in the Times Square area. And back then, Honda was across the street from the New York Public Library between 42nd and 41st Streets on Fifth Avenue. Wow. Which was... That's a nice spot. Yeah. And if you had a good arm, you could throw a rock from Times Square to that library. That's So anyway, we're hanging out on 42nd Street. and uh, So we go to Honda, we go inside, and we get in the elevator. And, like, we get up towards the second floor where Honda was. I think it was the second floor. I am, I don't know, 12, 11, something like that. And uh, I'm stuck in the elevator in the building that Honda's at on Sunday. Now, uh, nobody's coming to work today. No. Honda is closed. That's why the door won't open. Standing there. So we come to the reality because I'm looking at my friend. He's looking at me. I'm like, we're screwed. And we're panicking and screaming. 
punching the door like that's going to help. Give <laughs> her throw way up. And I'm thinking, well, if we go through the ceiling and like, okay, now what are we going to do? We're going to be in the elevator. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we just started yelling. And, um, you know, I take that all back. You know how this all started? Me and him were having an impromptu comedian match in that elevator. On the uh-huh. And I think him bouncing off those buttons may have had something to do with it, but I'm not sure. That no. makes sense. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, anyway, suffice to say, we're stuck, and we're screaming and ranting and raving. I don't know how long we were there. It might have been 20 minutes, but it seemed like three hours, maybe more. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear someone going, what the blank are you guys doing in this building? We're stuck in the elevator. This is what we're doing, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you guys trying to rob the place? I'm like, no, we're going to Honda. He's like, Honda's not open on Sunday. I'm like, oh, my God. We're stuck in the elevator. Get us out. He's like, wait a minute. And it turns out that the janitor did something and got the elevator up to where we had, it was just a big giant step of stepping out of the yeah. elevator. You know? And yeah, but that was an almost because, you know, we would have had some spraying to do. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> my, my mom would not have went for the idea of not knowing where the hell I was since yesterday. Right. You know what I mean? And, and when I finally got home, she probably wouldn't believe a word I said. She's like, you were out with your friends. I was like, oh. Yeah, and you were, but it was all, <laughs> it, it was, was legit. All, yes. It was legit. I was in. Steve Malinowski was innocent. <laughs> As always. Of course. <laughs> okay. Before we close this one out, I do have one question for you about the difference in training as an adolescent and when you were training in the military, when you were training in martial arts, but you were in the military, did you find them to be very similar or very different? You're talking about the actual martial art training. And let's understand this and make no mistake. You've got civil arts and you've got martial arts. I put a pause there on purpose because you see, there's a big difference, especially if you're teaching. You see, a martial artist for a warrior. Oh, well, I'm a warrior. No, you're not. When was the last time you killed somebody? Give me a break. Okay, now, civil arts, karate, modern karate, that is a civil art. You're not teaching people how to kill. Oh, wait, 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 it's karate. Sure, we know know how to kill. No, no, no. Because on the battlefield, I'm not interested in you suing me. I'm not interested in the morality of what's going to happen with your family. I don't care. There's a job to be done. It's either going to be me or you, and you got to go. That is what a martial art does. Whereas a civil art, we're going to go fight the tournament. Yeah, but those tournament guys, you know, they're tough. Yeah, but you're not killing anybody. And litigation is real. Well, but there is no litigation in, in a martial art. Correct. Okay, I, now, I am following your definition. A civil art is for civilians. A martial art is for soldiers. And I use the term loosely because I am not a soldier. I am a Marine. Now, thank you very much. Ah, anyway, wait, I'm going to clap at that one. So, uh, and everybody's got a job to do and they all do. Now, if you're learning a martial art in the military, especially in in the Marine Corps, especially in my Marine Corps, in a way, what I was doing, there's nothing uh, politically correct. There's nothing, um, there's no leniency. There's, it's just meant for battlefield uh, work. And what, you're only, you're not there, you're not passing out cookies with a welcome wagon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whereas, once again, the civil arts, uh, you know, which mor- moral-wise, you know, which, you know, when you bring doll, the word doll, do you know, Correct. Uh, that connotates a way of doing things where the cerebral and the spiritual is going to, not necessarily always, but usually be involved. Akati doll, Akati jutsu. Now you're talking about killing people. That field. All right. And everything has its place. You know, we change. 
there, there was a time when carrying a, a sword or a knife or, or a gun was, that was just part of your, your, your daily apparel because that's the way it was. And then we, 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 we changed supposedly, right? When we look today at what's going on these days, we didn't change that much. But <laughs> the, the established norm changes. So you don't have a reason for learning how to snap people's necks. And myself, when I came back from the military, back from actually doing my job for real, you know, I had to come to the realization, by the way, that my reflex actions, okay, because what we do without thinking is the only thing that counts. Us. But my reflex actions were basically uh, tuned to a very martial state of mu shin, a very mar- martial state of no mind, of, of yes. simple reaction. A martial art in regular society in the United States uh, can get you in a lot of trouble. So to bring that back to civilization was overwhelming? No, I no, don't know no, what word to put I mean, there. You know, uh, I'm just saying that I had to come to a realization that this automatic, you know, it's, it's cool. It's like being a gunslinger, you know. It, there, there's a certain high to walking around and people go, man, that guy was a force recon major. You know, he could snap your neck with it. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. But you can't be just doing that to people. You know what I mean? Uh, right. Whereas in a civil art, we learn to avoid, you know, like like Miyagi Chojun's famous uh, words, you know, don't be the one to hit people, don't be the one to get hit and avoid a collision. I understand what you're saying about coming back, but what got you into the mindset coming from a civil, more civil art to the martial art as a Marine? Reality. That's what I was going to say. When I was in Paris Island in 1979, it was uh, the beginning stages of the takeover by Ayatollah Khomeini. Okay. I remember seeing them with paper masks and Journal Square, Jersey City, marching, going down, down, down with the Shah. Little did I know that in a few months, I'd be sitting uh, in a school circle on the floor in front of my uh, platoon um, commander, company commander, as a matter of fact. And he's standing there and he goes, I just want everybody to understand that there is a 99.9% chance that everybody in this room is going to wind up going to combat within the next year. So, gentlemen, pay attention, learn as much as you can, get as strong as you can, because chances are you're going to work. Then they didn't bring it up anymore. You never heard about it again. And when I graduated and finished my first part of training, you know, and got to my unit, next thing you know, uh, they took hostages. Wow. Yeah. I take that back. I take that back. I had been in for, for about a year, I think, already when that happened because it was, I was in Okinawa and they took hostages. The bad guys took a bunch of Marines and people that I would wind up working with later on as an embassy guard. And uh, the next thing you know... Here I am in Okinawa, Japan, and they, out of the blue, with no forewarning, say, go to the armory, get your rifles, grab your shit, speak my language, because we're going to Kadena Air Force Base to sit on the tarmac. I was sitting on the tarmac in uh, Okinawa, in back of a C-130, waiting for them to say, let's go, and we were going to go over there and do what had to be done. No, we got stood down because... um, uh, an initial thing that happened over there wound up taking care of everything. Thankfully, no, we didn't have to go. But there's something that'll put a perspective in your mind. Oh, yeah. You follow? You know, I, mean, I, I actually understood and I understand your definitions of martial art and civil art as two separate entities. I really do. I've never heard it before. This is my first time hearing uh-huh. it in that connotation. So, what we're going to do, unfortunately, is we're going to have to close this one out because we've 
used up all of our time. Can you believe that? Time and tide wait for no man. <laughs> Good one. So thanks for part one. My pleasure. Thank you. And on that note, Jackie, let's call it. It has been so great. Make sure you stay tuned for part two. I'm Sensei Michelle, and I'm signing out. Thanks for stopping by. We will see you next time on Wildcat Dojo Conversations. We really want to hear from you. Do you know how easy it is to contact us? We're on Twitter and Facebook at Wildcat Dojo. Our webpage is wildcatdojo.com. On Instagram, Wildcat Dojo Conversations. And on email, dojoconversations at aol.com. We look forward to hearing from you.